Hello and welcome to another edition of Spotlight, the Star Trek podcast where we examine the Star Trek universe from a non-Trekkie perspective, uh, which we've now been doing for almost three years. Uh, really? oh, almost, oh, almost, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think in terms of recording, yeah, it was July, wasn't it? Yeah, in terms of recording, we will be coming up on three years. Our first episode was released in September 2016 on the, on the 50th anniversary yeah. of Star Trek. So now we are very much, I would say, in the phase of kind of becoming Trekkies. Basically, it depends on how you define a Trekkie. Is a Trekkie someone who just enjoys watching Star Trek? Or do you have to be getting dressed up in Klingon cosplay and going to Star Trek this, conventions? This, this is, what are the rules? What? What are the rules? <laughs> what are the rules? <laughs> well, this is the thing. A lot of people say to us, like, you've been doing this three years now. You must all be Trekkies. And if anything, I think I'm going back the other way. <laughs> <laughs> is it because of this specific no, episode? No, no, no. It's because a while ago, the headphone jack on my phone stopped working, which means I can't watch Netflix on the bus. And that's where I did most of my Trek TV watching. So I, I check my phone for my notes, and I haven't watched an episode of, I think, Enterprise or DS9 or most of the shows since August last year. Did so. you know there's this thing called upgrading your phone? Yes, yeah. I know. I'm, okay. I'm planning on it. <laughs> but you're due an upgrade. Car phone warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the tech. But you've told me you're due an upgrade. Oh, I'm, so you can get I'm this definitely upgrade. Do. Yeah, 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 I'm just extremely lazy. Right, well, I, mean, so, I think you've got to remember the next episode that we do after this is going to be TNG. Yeah, next I need to watch more of that. And so I'm forgetting who everyone is. We definitely need to catch Back up. That return of Vice. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. You will need to get that. See, now we ain't getting this fucking phone because I know I've got to watch more Star Trek when I get it. <laughs> um, and the dulcet tones that you can hear wafting around my own voice are of my co-host Matthew. Yes, that's me. And Paul. Howdy, spotlighters. Cat racers back. And we are also. It did get used oh. by somebody else, unprompted. Uh, that I was just chatting to the other day. So what? Yeah, long, it's a long time listener. Simon said it. Uh, <laughs> but Simon is a true spotlighter. He's been yeah. from he must be the only spotlighter. It's like, it's like, it's like, like, M. the last spotlighter. <laughs> original and only. Uh, we are also joined by a special guest, Elliot J. Fallows. Hello. Hello. Hi. Thank you for joining us, mate. Thank you for having me. This is great. Uh, Elliot may be known to some listeners if you ever went and checked out previous guest Sean McLaughlin's own podcast because Elliot you are Sean's podcasting partner in crime is that right yeah I am I went from being his producer into wrangling my way into being a co-host <laughs> you are the titular Elliot of Sean Elliot read the bible yes, yes. and then we got our own show with my actual name in it so <laughs> yeah like you've been elevated from Heal Your Wounds, which I believe was called Heal Your Wounds with Sean McLaughlin, yeah. with no mention of your own name. <laughs> I did more work on it than he did, and he admitted <laughs> <laughs> Is this why the podcast is now defunct? Because you were like, right, that's it, Sean, unless you had my name. Well, this is the thing that bothered me. So, from, shall I explain the... Y you thing? can explain the origins. So, we had a show, Heal Your Wounds, which was like an interview show with comedians, and eventually one of us started to not like it very much and we quit um and then we were just as you became a success 
Then we were nominated for an award after we quit, so we had to keep going, which we didn't want to do, and you could tell... You just went up all hours out. to the interviews. Was it like you'd only done, like, one podcast that year you were nominated or something, and then had to come back? Yep, yep, and we didn't know who was listening. By popular demand. Yeah, I think think Sean's joke is that the only people listening were the people on the panel for the award. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's what he said. Yeah, we quit here with your wounds, and Sean's reason was it's too much work. And I used to look him in the eye and be like, I fucking make it. <laughs> you, we do it in your house. You do yeah, nothing. Your friends here. It's like, I have no idea what, uh, I don't know, it's fine. <laughs> it all works out in the end. But yeah. from there, Sean and Elliot read The Bible Was Born, which is your current podcast. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And it's better. Uh, <laughs> so me and Sean go through... Is it- the been nominated for award yet, Anya? Not yet, but it will. In the eyes of God. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuming I was. Uh, no, it's, it's, I think, a better show, and it's more fun, and both of us actually want to be there. Uh, Big part of it. Yeah, we, 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 we go through the book, and then we either talk about the Bible in a way that's more about the story and the characters. It's not about, like, religion or Christianity and stuff. Um, <laughs> Don't worry, kids. It's not that it's boring. <laughs> no, I meant, I meant that more like we're not making really fun of anyone. The we're not story ever told. It's like now you break it down in terms of literary format, like you know, yeah, characters. So it's just like the wire of Damascus. That's, <laughs> that's that's what I like doing. Is like in the Bible and a bit with this. I'm like because I because like storytelling and character stuff is built into my brain all the time. I always break it down and go, like, what's Moses' motivation? Why is he uh, splitting this sea exactly? Why is he not buy a boat? Why is he not build a boat? We know we can build boats because we're Noah. We've done Noah now. <laughs> and uh, it just... Alex, so you do cover the Old Testament first then? Yes, we're nearing the New Testament now, oh, which is going to be fun. The sequel. Yeah. Um, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about to ask where you were up to, so you're... We're about you're two away on. from Jesus' time. Yeah, because yeah, I, I do listen to the podcast and like it very yeah, much, yeah. but I'm quite far behind. I think I'm about, like, six or seven oh, episodes in or something. I'm up to date. Oh, you up to yeah, date? Yeah, yeah, oh, really? There's a bit of a rift going on here. Yeah, we're currently. We just had a season two finale where there's been a <laughs> bit of drama. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's weird. Sean is actually religious, isn't he? To an extent? He was raised Catholic. Um, Lapsed. <laughs> yes, and I think I, I, I'm not sure on the timeline. I think it's relatively recently that he became not as Catholic, or I think he's now more open to the idea of of whatever else. Um, yeah, and I was raised nothing. I was raised, <laughs> I was yeah. raised nothing. Yeah, I'm a bit of a which explains the, the sinner that sits before us. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but it's great. It's such a great platform because by now there's so many kind of slowly absurdist like running jokes building up, and I'm still none the wiser if Bible Core exists or not. Like I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we build it on running jokes, which is. <laughs> Complicated, but I think more fun. Think well, yeah, my my partner actually asked me when she first listened to it. Went, are they actually sponsored by the Bible? <laughs> like, yeah, is this like yeah. actually? She was starting to get worried because, like, you know, being like, I don't want to listen to this corporate shilling podcast. <laughs> like, yeah. And it was like, oh, like, and, they, and I was like, no, Bible Corp's not a real thing. Like, like, you know, like, <laughs> no, no religious affiliates are supporting a podcast that says, if you're by, buy the Bible. <laughs> yes, yes. If you're out there and you want to sponsor us, then. Yeah, any forward-thinking churches. Yeah. We'll be shields, we'll take it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, very good. Uh, definitely check it out, uh, listeners, because uh, obviously now got 
you on the show and obviously Sean's been on a good couple of times as well so yeah yeah. Yeah, no we're here today to talk about Star Trek the animated series this is the second part of our TV series revisited campaign uh, that we're running currently where we get a guest on who has never really seen the series that we're watching and introduce them to it to see if they actually want to continue to watch this show. Which wasn't very hard with this particular series, but not many people realise it's a thing. Yeah, I mean, this is funny. We were talking about like the divisions in being a Trekkie earlier on, and I would say you have to be like a reasonably hardcore Trekkie to even realise this exists, unless you're doing research on the show for a podcast <laughs> like we are. Like, so many people I've spoken to have gone, oh, yeah, like, you know, I'm a Star Trek fan. Yeah. You mentioned the animated series, they were like, animated what? <laughs> like, uh, or they're like, oh, the new one that's coming out now, right? Like, no. Like, Do you remember, uh, like, ages, in one of our first episodes, I said, oh, is, are there any Trekkies out there who don't hold Ratha Khan in as big stead as many others? And I said, are they the version of hipster Trekkies out there who are like, oh, actually, the best one's the worst? Are there anyone out there who's genuine... Favorite Trek content is the animated series. Well, get in touch. There is no there. Uh, there is a guy who um, I've spoken to a number of times online who often comments where we make uh, <laughs> derisive comments about the animated series. Um, Aaron Harvey, uh, who hosts a podcast called Saturday Morning Trek. Or did, I think it might be finished now. Um, obviously the animated series quite a short run, so, uh, but it's on Trek FM, uh, where they go through the animated series. And so he is a big support. He loves the animated series. So there you go. There are, there are people out there who are a big apologist for it. And like you say, maybe these are. Well, there's a Saturday morning cartoon and it's Saturday morning Trek. Perhaps that's why, like, you know, maybe it's a nostalgia thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. I think they're definitely could be a big dose of nostalgia with it because I sort of have nostalgia for this show because I was aware of this show before we started. Was it on Live and Kicking? I don't know what it... No, I don't feel it was on Live and Kicking. I think it was. I think it was... I remember seeing it for the first time on Live and Kicking. I don't... Maybe, but I certainly... It certainly was on children's TV like in either a Saturday or Sunday morning. I think maybe Sunday morning like in the UK when I was growing up and young um so i did see it back in the day and did enjoy it like when i was a kid as you know your kind of critical faculties are lower so wait, a really strange cerebral cartoon from the 70s was on kids tv in the 90s when you had the amount of good animated shows that were already out in the yeah, 90s but they cost money at that. <laughs> yeah because you got <laughs> the thing is the bbc probably bought the license so the bbc or channel 4 probably bought the license like decades ago and then just went oh we could yeah, just run got this showing it the first time, <laughs> so now, like, yeah <laughs> we could just run this occasionally like you know and um for free and yeah it, 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 that's the thing when you're a kid you just go oh yeah great it's, it's awesome and you don't don't pick up on these things in the same way of the countlessly reproduced animated shorts like you've forgotten about that by the time it gets on to the next bit so yeah um but you guys hadn't seen it at all before we did this no, show i think i was aware of it but i hadn't seen it no yeah and before we did this run of TV episodes, we did another run of TV episodes where basically it was flip reversed, where it was us kind of watching a picked episode mm. by our guest who was introducing us to the show. When we did the animated series, we couldn't actually find someone <laughs> who was a big fan of the animated series, which to be fair, I, I would say it was, you know, it was reasonably early doors and 
I think we just weren't doing our homework enough. Because like I say, since I have spoken to people who are big fans of the anime series, I think we could have found someone to do it. But basically, we didn't try hard enough. And so we did that episode on our own. But the episode we chose for us to view, because we always did the pilot of whatever series we were watching, but we did an episode from season two that actually won an Emmy. Award-winning. Okay. So, I mean, <laughs> like... Don't look at me. Elliot, like, I'll just say, your podcast <laughs> nominated for award, Star Trek the Anime Series, won an Emmy. Yeah. So, yeah. how's that make you feel? Well, <laughs> it was subsequently cancelled thereafter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were resurrected after being nominated. Yeah, very, that's, that's very true. Very true. Although, <laughs> I think you had the same number of episodes afterwards. <laughs> yeah, um, so, yeah, we watched that. And, you know, I think now's the time to reveal, did it convince us to watch more, Paul? No. <laughs> no, I, I didn't go back for more. I think really, I was there was plenty of other things to, to occupy my time in terms of the other shows. Um, I, you know, since uh, you know that, that Star Trek first run of like um, episodes we did on the various shows, I've watched the whole original series as I mentioned last time, and that took a long time. You know, so yeah, you really went all in on that. Yeah, and I've been watching a lot more Voyager because my wife's basically watching DS9 and Voyager t- from the beginning. Oh wow! Entirely. So she's watching every episode. So my my um. She's doing better than we she's are. Doing, she's doing it on my uh, like Netflix account too, so it looks like I've done all my homework, which in fact I haven't. Um, but you know, I'm dropping in education. In fact, she's paused the DS9 watching because it's got to like well, it's starting to get good. It's about season three now, and um, yeah, it's started, they've introduced some of the kind of like big sort of villains that are going to be shaping the rest of the show. So I'm like, oh, this I want to start at this point, you know, when it starts yeah, yeah, to get yeah. into like a serial mode, and now I'm so you know she's going to pause there. But Voyager is like carrying on. It's some really good episodes. I just I, I sort of sat in on the other day actually. Um, there was the one that we, we probably was a, almost a, a close runner for the Voyager first one round, but I think I'll save that, I think, for next time. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, we are going to be picking our Voyager episodes again very shortly, so I'll, I'll call that one sort of mm. back for now. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. it was awesome, like, like ending. I was like, fucking great sci-fi, brilliant concept. Oh. Beautifully done. So, yeah, that so, was there. <laughs> but, but, but coming back around to Bandwick series, no, I had no interest in going back to this at all. Um, <laughs> So, you know, uh, grudgingly, I've been coming back to do this one. Yes, and I've already explained the situation with my phone, so no. <laughs> but but <laughs> knowing, knowing this episode was coming up, I rush-watched a few more. So I did... Some of the ones I watched that we haven't, that we aren't talking about today, included more Tribbles, more Troubles, oh. for some Tribble action. Yeah, the sequel to uh, the original Tribbles yeah, episode. Yeah, which, which is fun. Uh, the Infinite Vulcan, which was written by Walter Koenig. Yeah. Um, yeah. has a giant clone Spock in it. Because, of course, his voice is not heard during the anime series. There's no Chekhov. And that's the reason he wrote an episode, was because of the fact that he was not hired to reprise his voice role. <laughs> so wait a minute, he is the only original cast member who's not in it, and not by choice. Yeah, he, he well, no, he wanted to be in it. They couldn't afford everyone, because oh, obviously man. the anime series, you haven't noticed, quite low budget. Uh, <laughs> so they, could, they couldn't, originally they weren't even going to have Nichelle Nichols. Like, apparently Nichelle Nichols only got included because the rest of the cast card went to back yeah. for her. Um, and she did get back on board, but Walter Cohen, no, but he was offered he's to the one. He's so the one they couldn't afford. So he got <laughs> well, they just ran out of money by the time. Yeah, I think they, they just ran out of money. Um, they, they, like, he was low enough down. He only gets introduced in season two of the original that's series. That's true. So he was low enough get down, down in the So that, that one was pretty fun. Last and then first out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then one other one, uh, the Practical Joker from season two, in which they fly through a, 
amorphous cloud which happens about 10 times. I love it already. (laughs) And the ship's computer kind of goes haywire and has the computer equivalent of a mental breakdown so starts playing practical jokes on everyone Mm. and the jokes are so fucking lame so they're all sitting around eating and all their glasses like melt so all the all their drinks splash on their fronts and they're like who did this and they're like well we all got drenched so who's the joke on? And it takes them too long to work out it's the ship fucking about. It, it sounds a bit like that season three episode of When the Children Shall Lead with like, you know, the, this <laughs> just take forever yeah. to tell the They're story. so the, slow the, the, the crew, Yeah, the crew was so slow on the update. I'm like, it was excruciating. But a highlight is when Kirk storms onto the bridge angry. He's, he's like, I've had enough. And he's like, look what happened when I got my laundry back. And he turns around and the back of his shirt just says, Kirk is a jerk. And it's like, <laughs> boom, got him. Like, Which has now him. become like a famous meme pretty much. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, no, it's, it, it is a fun episode. Yeah. So I did those three and then the three we're talking about. So I did a quick rush and I think that's quite enough. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, we're gonna, as usual, we're going to go through in chronological order. Before we do that, however, though, Elliot, we always ask our new guests uh, what their Star Trek credentials are. What I mean by that is what have you seen? What haven't you seen? What was your first experience of Trek? And if it's nothing, that's fine too. Um, so I've done... I've done... The modern movies, the J.J. Abrams ones. Right. Which are really good, and I really like those. Yeah, yeah. We, we like the first one. Uh, okay. Well, the third well, one's well, fun. We, well, but we like the first one the most. Yes. Yeah. Please right. see our ranking episode. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, one, three, two is... Yeah, that's fair, mate. Um, I've seen one episode of one of them, which had the triples in, which... I can't remember what happened. Like, Sean showed it to me and went, isn't it great? I'm like, oh. <laughs> So that could I'm be the original series, but it could also be Deep Space Nine I, with the kind of the melding of I the two. I think it goes back to the... So it's that one, right? It's like a... It's, it's a like later Jack series that goes back oh, to... Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. No, yeah, so it's the Deep Space Nine one, which is like 30th anniversary episode where they the, the crew of Deep Space Nine went back on the original series and they can't blend the footage together. Yeah, that's the one because right. that's the one with the captain that I didn't know existed. Captain Cisco. Yeah, there's like yeah. one I, you showed me the captain I was like, no, that's not one. You are wrong here. And then the last one is I've seen one and a half episodes of Discovery. Okay. But it because the thing is like I really want to like Star Trek because I know it's the kind of thing I love. But there's so much of it, and Discovery seems like a cool place to join. Yeah. Uh, but the second episode has like a 20 minute, half hour sequence where I have to read Klingon, and like it's just this bit, it was so. Oh, I was gonna say alienating, that's dumb. Uh, so, like, it just puts me off it suddenly, and I'm trying to get into the show, and it's making me not want to because I have to listen to this harsh language and read the screen and it's all dark and I don't know what's going on. It's equivalent of like the Phantom Menace taxation trade routes. Yeah, kind of like, 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 now to the Senate for 20 minutes exhibition. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we kind of like picked yeah. up on that when we did review the pilot. It was and a curious way to start it. It was. It? It's like, this isn't the, the best way maybe to bring you know, bring over new people straight away. I mean, you know, put this in three episodes in and perhaps people have got a bit of head of steam by yeah. then. But it was a very... Yeah. Yeah, risky manoeuvre, mm. I'll put it Because those first two episodes aren't even really about Discovery, are they? It's, all... it's about the Shenzhou, yeah. 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 different setup. So it's yeah. not even the it show. It gets really. so it a lot that, yeah. better, yeah. It becomes essentially a different show. It's, and... it's basically the Battle Star prologue kind of thing, isn't it? It's like, yes. it should almost be released on its own okay. and not in the box set. 
Like, you know, <laughs> annoyingly for all time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It should have been like a, yeah, a Shenzhou, like, TV movie and yeah. then Discovery. But I just wanted to say on a sidebar, no, I just dislike a, a, a great amount all these kind of, like, um, sort of pre prequel kind of shorts that that, that mm. in vogue. And, you know, it started with, like, 24 and those things. I just hate things that are tangentially connected to the TV show I'm going to watch. It's like, but if it's not good enough for the show, then just don't make it, in my opinion. Um, that's just my little bit. Saying that, yeah. if you haven't seen Calypso yet, the short track, um, from, because they did do this between season one, season two of Discovery, the short tracks, um, I would say they all do connect in to what's happening in one way or another, but are reasonably superfluous. But Calypso, the second one, which is written by Michael Chabon, who's just been named a showrunner on the Picard series, uh, of course, famous novelist, that is brilliant. And, definitely recommend watching that that's a, a fantastic short film with Aldis Hodge and Annabelle Wallace and yeah it's it stands alone that's what it, it, really it stands alone it's not like almost additional reading for like the show that you have to watch mm, I think yeah if it's something like that it's a, its own unique piece of art that's what I care about yeah I hugely recommend that one and to all our listeners too <laughs> um and to you Ali, yeah I would genuinely say Discovery is, is worth picking Go back scenario. up Certainly, it, you know, second season is one of the best second seasons in all of Trek. I've, I've heard it becomes something that I will definitely love. I just need to sit yeah. down and yeah, get through that little Klingon slog at the start. <laughs> Indeed, and it, and it and it does start to pay off that that Klingon stuff. I think it, you know it does go somewhere at least with okay. that. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, but we're not here to talk about Discovery. We're here to talk about Star Trek, the animated <laughs> Let's series. Let's get to what matters. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. As usual, we're going to go through chronologically. Now, all the episodes today we're going to be talking about come from season one of the show. Now, that might sound a bit weird, but there's only two seasons of the animated series. The second season only has six episodes. Um, so it, there's not really a huge amount to pick from from that. We already covered one of the episodes in season two, um, the Emmy Award winner, which we did in our first animated series Sharp episode, than a Serpent's Tooth. Yeah. Isn't it? yeah, and really, there are there are a few like interesting ones here and there in season two. But Practical I, Joker, like I said, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I would say, really, the kind of the finest episodes come in season season one. And the first one we're going to be talking about today was picked by yourself, Matt. Yes, uh, yesteryear, which is season one, episode two. So only the second episode of the show. Explain to us why you picked this and be honest. Yes. Well, when I knew this episode was coming up, so I watched and picked this quite a while ago. So this wasn't part of my flurry of watches last night. Um, this was one where you can tell I literally just went, okay, episode two, on. But then by the time I got to the end, I thought, you know, this is a good one to talk about because it feels quite, like, important to character and not just a, uh, like a jaunt somewhere. Um, it ties in to a original series episode we've already talked about as well. Uh, shares the writer as well. And it was just a pretty good kind of time travel story, which Trek can often do very well. So when I saw those elements, I was like, you know what, this would be good to talk about. And please, I don't want to watch anymore. So. <laughs> what <laughs> series episode is it? Uh, the um, Journey to Babel. Okay. Because it's the same writer, and it harkens back to Spock's childhood, which he talks about in that. And they mentioned that episode about him having a teddy bear as a pet, and you get to see it in this yeah. episode. But it, it also ties into City on the Edge of Forever as well. With the time travel stuff. With the Guardian of Forever. Like, because I just had to look oh. that up and go, that actual point. Like, I said, this is extremely convenient that there's a time travel planet. And it's like, this would be like the ultimate 
like secret of the galaxy. I mean, everybody would be wanting to use this thing to, for their own means. I was like, where did they just come up with this thing? It's like, but because it's in the show. And so it's the, it's the same device for which Kirk and Spock go back in time to put the future back right. Oh, okay. Um, well, that's good. Because, yeah, I did think, like, oh, it's more time travel shenanigans. Like, how many different ways of time travel are now canon now? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's the same because they do visually recreate what portal they, what the portal that mm. they went through in um, that episode. There you go. If it ties to the best original series episode, then it can't be Well, there you go. And um, one thing I should say, talking about best episodes, is... In general, I would say this is considered by most fans to be the best episode of animated series. So you fit well. <laughs> like if you look on IMDb, this is by far the highest rated episode of animated series with 8.2. Um, it also, if you look at lists of kind of like best off lists, this is always the animated series episode pretty much at the top or at least very high yeah well three years ago Hollywood Reporter ranked this as the 59th best Star Trek episode full stop yeah well, there uh, you go. and said it was the 15th best time travel plot in Star Trek they've had a lot uh, this or oh, 200 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously season 1 season 2 were over 2 years 73 and 74 and the episode that we already mentioned won an Emmy in the second season but this one was nominated for an Emmy from the first season. Uh, so, you know... What, yeah. what for? For writing? But just the same thing, the like outstanding, like, achievement in, in animation. animation. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> well, animation. <laughs> Outst- <laughs> outstanding entertainment children's series. There we yeah, go. There we yeah. go. Like, say not uh, in animation. Daytime, <laughs> daytime Emmy Award. Yeah. Uh, so, but we should turn to you first, Elliot. First thoughts. What did you think of this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> out, out of the three episodes... This is the one I like the least. I think it goes oh. up in terms of like I like the third one the most and this one the least. I love time travel and I love sci-fi stuff anyway. This time travel doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. it's like a silly way of doing it. So it's about Spock going into his own childhood and saving himself because suddenly no one remembers who he is, right? But but Kirk remembers him. For no reason. For no... They never explain why... Because only... he's been protected for the tra- time, change of the time travel continuum. Why? Like Doc Brown. Why? Yeah, well, because he was there at the same time. But it doesn't make sense. It makes more <laughs> sense if he gets back and Spock isn't there. And then Kirk has to go back and save his... Oh, absolutely it does. We've <laughs> 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 rewritten it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but it's, it's the same rules of just, like, uh, the Terminator thing, isn't it? You know, um, but, you know, the fact that you can't go back mm. and change something because then it means everything has changed entirely isn't it I mean the, 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 the whole plot of Terminator doesn't work because like John, you know, what's his name that goes back um, uh, Carl Reese Carl Reese shouldn't exist in the future because the time travel hasn't happened yet mm. so yeah it's a paradox isn't it it's a paradox yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, but yeah that's the kind of time I don't like paradox ones. it's kind of the self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. kind of thing isn't it where it's like they kind of realise oh wait a minute the reason that I don't exist here must be because of this reason yeah. and therefore we'll go back and do it. It's like, and they've kind of just gone, oh, that must have been what... Because at one point he goes, yeah, I know what you're thinking. That cousin was you, Spock. <laughs> and they, they say, oh, yeah, that must be it. Right, let's go. Yeah, but they do think it's got in season two of Discovery as well at the end, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very true. Um, I, yeah, I, I know what you mean. I think with the animated series... I think I often forgive kind of plot holy kind of stuff just because they often feel like full episodes of original series that they already wrote for season four <laughs> that they cobbled down to 25 minutes. Like, 
with this as being a perfect example, this bangs straight into the plot when it starts. As in, I kind of think what you're saying is in you had to go back and chain, uh, have a look at the previous episodes to kind of work out, oh, was that from that? It makes sense because they literally leap straight into the plot. Like they've already come back from another time travel adventure to jumpstart the plot here and then go, all oh, right, Spock's already disappeared from that time. And you kind of feel like the episode is cashing up with itself. Mm. Like as if it's part two of a two-parter. Like they just literally, I feel like DC Fontana, this was a script for season four of original series. And she literally looked at it and went, sliced it down the middle and threw out the first half and just started 25 pages in. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of original series episodes that would have benefited from doing that. Yeah, 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 yeah. very, very true. Well, we, we should say, yeah, the plot in basic is that they come back from this time travel adventure and then nobody remembers Spock. So what's happened is he realises that while he was on this time travel adventure, he should have been in his own past saving his younger self from death, which is what he remembers as happening. And so then the episode is about him trying to go back in the past and fix stuff. But I do like that the time travel here is treated kind of like it is in Lost, where it's the idea of whatever happened, happened. So he does remember, he's not inventing new stuff by going back, he's having to go back and fulfil that part. So I like, I like that element, and that's done quite well, even though it doesn't quite make sense as to why, once you get into the whole, if, what is time, basically, it's like, why is him being in the time travel adventure at the start the moment that stops him from being there at any yeah, point. That yeah. doesn't make sense. But the way it kind of ties into that whole element of like, oh, we're not just inventing new stuff by changing stuff. We're trying to like plug the gaps. I quite like that element. So it's not back to the futuring it. It's losting it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Good. Good defense. Ben and Teddy. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I think this has got quite a Bill and Teddy kind of attitude to yeah. time travel um, in it. What I do like is here straight away from the first scene they're using animation to their advantage with having that yellow bird guy like you know helping bring them in for the time show because that's not something they would have just thrown in in the series they can throw it in because they go we don't have to make a costume or anything like that for the yellow but we could just say hey there's a yellow bird guy and he's here and he's, <laughs> he's a member of the ship and i i really like that i really like that that they're actually thinking I would say these episodes that we're talking about today, especially this one and the uh, last one, um, use the animation to their advantage to do more than they could have done the series. Medium to their advantage. Yes, the animation yeah, rather than the art of animation. Yes. They use so still different. images to their advantage. Not, yeah, not yeah. so much with zooms. <laughs> and pans. Character design, perfect. Everything else. Yeah. It's so slow. Why is it going so slow? Yeah, I mean, this is, we should explain to Elliot, this was made by Filmation, uh, which were a kind of notorious cartoon production house uh, that would make very cheap animation. It looks like that. Yeah, <laughs> where there's lots of backgrounds and shots that are reused, quite a lot of ones where it feels like a very kind of like still kind of background things being moved around on it mm. rather than actual fluid animation. Um, it reminds me of uh, Tom Stock's uh, Star Trek motion picture pop-up book. Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, is, yeah. Very exciting. Just one little bit yeah, to just, move. Just, we'll just watch the book and you're like, this is very exciting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called Star Trek Captain Pugwash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but like I say, I do, I do think there is at least attempt to do more interesting stuff with the animated medium in this episode. And I kind of think this one's so early doors that maybe 
there was just a little bit more money flying around at this point. And so... Well, we're seeing the animation for the first time, which will be reused every time. Yes. I suppose it's all fresh the first time. Maybe that, maybe <laughs> that. But there's quite a lot of kind of like different kind of like new environments in this and stuff. So, you know... Yeah, particularly the Vulcan environments. I mean, yes. I like the Jetson reveal. You know, again, that's another thing they couldn't do on the show. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, the land speeder. And there's a nice moment with some fountains and stuff that actually looks quite nice, I think. Like, yeah, and uh, so you know, there's, there's, there's stuff here, there's good stuff, there's good stuff. Uh, <laughs> what were some of your other beefs, Elliot? Let's let's run down beefs. I've got beefs. See, I didn't even mind, I don't mind it looking a bit cheap and being imagey. That's actually fine. Okay, the I do like the character design, that's all fine. And I like the I don't know if he's in the original series, he's the new guy on the bridge. Sitting next to Sulu, and he looks like a melted ET. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is the guy who replaced Chekhov. Okay. So they can't have Chekhov. What they can have is weird alien man. He's, um, he look, he, yeah, he looks like a curly whirly in the sun. It's just like <laughs> yeah. it's very strange, dripping face. Yeah. Uh, but he looks pretty nifty. I don't think he did anything. No, but I, does, I remember get, thinking, like, oh, he's more interesting than a human. He does get lines in other episodes as well. Like, coming, get next, happen. That actually. Everyone sounds the same. Everyone who isn't in the main cast is clearly just like one. It sounds like it's just one guy. It is one it guy. Is. It is. You're, you're guy. right. Good ear on you. And it's also, it's mostly James Doohan, though, who plays Scotty. Oh, is it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah who but Scotty's does. not in it much. <laughs> like, well, that's why it's voices. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, James uh, doing and also Nichelle Nichols did a lot of female voices mm. um, in it. So, yeah, they really. Well, girl characters, we just need the one. Yeah. Again, money. Can you breathy? Fine. <laughs> money saving. There's, there's a lot of reused. Uh, actors' voices okay. in this. There's Koenig yeah. just stewing in the corner. Like, you get bloody doing to do all these voices. Can't have me back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I found the music hilarious. Like, oh, yeah. there's that one bit that comes up in every episode. Ba, ba, da, 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 da. It's like, I feel like they're <laughs> doing really boring scenes as well. They've <laughs> got three <laughs> tracks of score. And they'll press play, and it doesn't matter what's happening on screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be the most dramatic music, and it's just people saying, I'm going to walk over there now. And they do it, and then it goes... <laughs> and then something dramatic does happen, and it's silent. <laughs> yeah, it feels like editing on VHS, where we, you know, we try to play making home movies and just basically playing your tape recorder yeah. next to the tape. Yeah, so, yeah, that's... That's just stuff I found beefy. The rest of it's kind of more funny. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, we're introduced to the new number one who has replaced Spock in this new reality, who's an Andorian, and he is sassy as fuck. <laughs> like, there's a bit where Kirk turns around and says, oh, I mean no disrespect. And he says, I can assure you, no one has ever treated me with disrespect. <laughs> like, yeah, he's really, he's really cool. He's Thielen. Thielen. Mm. Yes, that's him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Although he, uh, later on, reacts in a pretty cool way about the fact that he's going to be potentially wiped from existence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like, you have fun. Is well, they, yeah, they, do they it. try and establish that this timeline will still carry yeah, on? Yeah, I think they try to say that... Because otherwise he's just put up more of a fight. Like, yeah. don't change the past, I won't be here. But I yeah. think they try to say, oh, it's it's fine. It's the kind Conviction. of... The, the, again, it's the end game logic yeah. of now this timeline will diverge onto another one. Um, and there will be multiple timelines, which would make sense in terms of if you think about things like the Kelvin timeline and stuff like that. That's that's the idea behind that. So, you know, it is, it is there. Um, <laughs> I thought that... And this is an example of some of the actors... I think sometimes they're really on point with their vocal performances. 
but sometimes they really sound like they're either hungover <laughs> or just <laughs> half asleep, which, you know, I wouldn't blame them with these scripts. But when, <laughs> when McCoy sees Spock and says, oh, I don't know who he is. Mm. And Kirk's just like, yeah, of course you know who he is. What are you talking about? He just says, Fredo, don't you? <laughs> In a completely non-reactive <laughs> manner to not someone who go. If that was me, it'd be like, there's a guy with Kirk who I don't know has never existed. They've just come through a time portal. What the fuck is going on? It's just like, right on, don't you? It, it does sound like you know, the recordings for the um, Next Generation um, video game I played a lot as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> be, you know, they've always recorded just reams of dialogue for various things in this RPG where you're walking around and then Viper will go, what, what beautiful music. <laughs> okay, and, like, things like that, you know, completely. And then something else will happen and suddenly you have a completely different like pitch, you know, like something more exciting is happening. So, it's yeah. like the old commentary on ISS 64. Yes, it's yes. Like, Friends! Have the ball. <laughs> Did, Did, you... Have <laughs> Did you not think they tried to make us think that the Andorian uh, replacement for Spock was going to be a bad guy? This is what bothered me the most about it. Right, okay. Is that they really queue up that he's behind it. Yes. Because he seems so he seems so shifty. Yeah, I literally got this like, seems well shifty. <laughs> Like the end of a scene that not only they do sort of play kind of sinister music, but um, it cuts. They're all talking about what's happened, and it cuts to him. He's the last person we see, and he's just there and just shifting his butt. And then it goes to the next scene. You're like, well, obviously he's the bad guy. And if you see enough of this, you know they don't animate the eyes for any reason other than to make a point. Clearly, and uh, they don't even colour them in. It's just skin, fleshy tones. Yeah, yeah, it's just like just you don't see anything, can you? Just. That's, I think that's the thing with the characters on this is like because they sound a bit bored because the actors sound a bit like asleep and everyone's face is so straight all the time the only thing that moves on anyone's face is their eyebrows or they do shifty eyes yeah so, <laughs> they don't show emotion do they no so it's like everyone looks shifty there's a point in mm-hmm. the third one I'll bring up later when Uhura does something and she does shifty eyes I'm like is she a bad guy <laughs> Like, why would she do that? <laughs> uh, it's just it happens in this, and it really tricks you into thinking he's the bad guy, which he should have been, and would have made more sense. Yeah, guess and it, it explain why this is happening now. Uh, yeah, I, I assumed he'd come up later in the show. It's so. weird. He kind of exists as a character just to show the effects of this time displacement, but then yeah, they do nothing with but it. But you've really so. missed a trick because the Andorian. Well, yeah, there was never a, a case in the original series where they were anything but like belligerent. So it is like putting you know somebody there you think oh that's really up there you, you, as you know the show mm. you're thinking there's got to be something here mm. uh, and it is a letdown when that doesn't happen and perhaps the full 50 minute version would actually uh, <laughs> would have had that yeah. yeah yeah and he is reasonably like fleshed out later in that goodbye scene with Spock he seems like a very reasonable well, kind of guy it like, sounds yeah. like an alternate version ending doesn't it you know where just like we just need to wrap this up now yeah and yeah, so yeah, yeah. Given these lines just like just tied it up in a nice that, that's why he doesn't have to be in it it's if it's like, why am I saying goodbye to this person? <laughs> it's like, why, why is Bones not just number two? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. like, you don't have to bring a new person in and have an emotional goodbye with him unless he's a bad guy. Yeah. And I'm sitting there the whole time through the bear stuff later on being like, that guy's going to come back in. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to come back and finish off the bear. Yeah, absolutely does not. Uh, so this is before I, Tonya. <laughs> this is written by DC Fontana. Um, now, f- fun fact: 
all the episodes we talked today are written by women. Oh. Which is kind of quite a weird thing for kind of 70s television, you would have thought. Um, but they are all, all different women as well. It's not like DC Fontana wrote all of them or anything. Um, they, she- they had written, like, and they were like alumni from the original show, DC Fontana and uh, the <coughs> Who wrote this other one? Uh, not the one from the third episode. She yeah, Margaret Armour had written three episodes of the original yes. series as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. DC Fontana was one of the regular. regular she was. Uh, DC Fontana wrote the script for This Side of Paradise, which was David Chumble's pick when he came on to talk about the original series. Journey to Babel, which was Max's pick mm. in our original series revisited episode with Jen Ives. And also wrote the Enterprise incident from season three, which is one of the better remembered episodes oh, from yeah, season three. Um, so, you know, she's doing pretty well. Uh, and she wrote loads of other episodes as well. Um, it's directed by Hal Sutherland, who directed every single episode of the animated series. Um, so I mean, he, he kind of, if you look at his back catalog, he did kind of lots of work in animation kind of over the years. And likes um, to sign his work off with a flourish, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, well, he, um, <laughs> yeah, like, it's credits. I'm referring to the credits. Oh, it's like, yeah. all the credits are, like, normal, apart from his directed by, which is, like, his signature, um, which is odd, but you don't see this again until, like, Star Trek VI, where they sign off, like, you know. He was so proud of it. Yeah, it's like, he I put my name on this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he worked in animation for years, and eventually, at the very end, actually directed a uh, film finally at the end of his career uh, but it seemed to finish off his career unfortunately it was like a filmation movie version of Pinocchio which Disney tried to sue them for <laughs> uh, so in the 80s so unfortunately ignoble end to his uh, career um, so many people try and make Pinocchio films like you know we had that Robert Benigni one which was like absolutely terrible in the, in the 90s wasn't it, it was like big, yes. you know he comes off the mm. Oscar and he's I saw that in the cinema I remember did you yeah, what yeah. maybe yeah. you got inspired by your you know Happy Eater like um, tie-in I, I remember going to like a service station like fast food joint and they had like a Pinocchio <laughs> Robert Benigni tie-in so I was like you're happy <laughs> with this Pinocchio Italian movie <laughs> uh, there is another one coming out as well, well there's well, a trailer this, out yeah, but there's a trailer out for a new Pinocchio. Yeah, well, P.T. Anderson wanted to make it. Make it. He was and writing screenplay, wasn't he? For and Del Toro as well. And Del Toro. Del Toro. But was it was the new version? I think it's another Italian one. Uh, no, it's, it, there is a trailer which I've seen bits of. I think. Um, so this is. It's not like a big. Film. Oh, no, it? I wouldn't think so. Yeah. Also, the news this week is Kubrick's like what he wanted to make next. What? After he died, yeah, it was that was he wanted to make a children's film. He wanted to make Pinocchio, like the Alma version. Oh, but isn't that kind of like? Do you think that bears some kind of relation with AI? No, because he was developing both at the same time separately. Yeah, apparently. because they are. There's definitely similarities. Yeah, in that I think story. he wanted to do like I think he, I think he didn't find the sensibilities for the for AI. I think he always right. intended for Spielberg to do it. Right, um, okay. but. Um, but yeah, you know, it was all these papers just been discovered or something like that. Like uh, also, there's a script from the fifties he'd done. But Disney's still hoping to make it in their campaign to make every film they ever made. I action. think so. Well, oh. yeah, when I mean, they're making three a year, we're definitely going to get to an extra. Yeah, next remake, year, probably. Yeah, because yeah, the Del Toro <laughs> version was meant to be that, wasn't it? Wasn't it meant to be the official Disney live action version? I don't know or whether it was just him 
doing his his own take thing. on the story. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I, I don't I wonder know how I... much Disney own over that property. Well, no, they don't own it. This whole thing when no. they sued uh, this other film, the judges deemed that it was oh. public domain. So, and... how Sutherland's responsible for all of this now? Like, if <laughs> Disney had won, like, uh, it would have been like <laughs> no more. No, he's won. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. That's actually yes. It's all how Sutherland's fault that we're going to see all these reasons. And that justifies this massive tangent we've been on. Yeah. Well, actually, just to continue it a bit further. I don't know whether any of you have read the original text of Pinocchio. No. But <laughs> no. in public domain. <laughs> like, um, um, but it is it is completely different from the story that we generally know from like Disney and stuff. It's like insanely dark, which I assume Del Toro would have kind of done he kept more faithful. Like there's a bit where what's it called Jimmy Cricket? Right. Yeah. There's in the in the this book. Is a spoiler for the book Pinocchio. This is a spoiler <laughs> for the book Pinocchio. In the book, at one point, he like fucking stamps on Chimney Cricket. He's just like fuck you, Cricket. Like <laughs> he just like sm- literally stamps on him. Like um, kills him. Yeah, kills him. Oh, <laughs> like it's it's really really dark. No, Pinocchio's a cunt. Like <laughs> so, uh, look forward to. So maybe there is a <laughs> genuinely new version of Pinocchio too. I can't see them doing that in the Disney. Cricket gets stomped from out. Yeah, yeah, not my Pinocchio. Back to yesteryear. <laughs> so Spot goes back in time, and we get some classic Vulcan kid bullies. Yes, I which we see in Star Trek 09, the Abrams one. This kind of uh, bully dynamic with young Spock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They always turn up. It's just uh, they always crack me up whenever <laughs> they're around. Um, and then Spock turns up and pretends to be a cousin. I didn't quite get this. You might know more about this. No such thing as strength to danger on Vulcan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I you might... your uncle. <laughs> <laughs> but this is Come the thing. I, I wanted to ask you, because you're probably the one of us who knows the most about Star Trek lore. When he turns up and just goes, um, oh, hi, and Sarah's just like, oh, you you must be from my family, mustn't you? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I am, mate. Yeah, I'm your cousin. And then massive pause. My name is... Um, uh, uh, what, sorry, what was that? Your name badge on that? Sarek. Yeah. Oh, my name is Silak. <laughs> like, 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 it always exactly the same. As he said, what's that about? Is is that a thing in terms of Vulcans meant to have giant families where it would just be like, oh, you, you, I recognise you because you've got a certain type of ear. You yeah, must be no, my cousin. I, I could do a whole episode on this. <laughs> uh, um, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, see, because I was just like, why is he assume? They're just suckers. They're just like stupid. They? They're just poor <laughs> yeah, for anything. Yeah. They're just like, oh, you must be. Like, anyone turns up at my door, it's just like, you must be from my fucking family, must you? <laughs> Come on in. Well, you know, as we find out later in Star Trek Five, they're, you know, not, not afraid of like casting off family members, you know, but it suits them. <laughs> Yeah. Spot, oh, you would have all my lost sons. Come on in. Or <laughs> yeah. oh, the adopted child I never mentioned. Yeah, 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 that's very, very true. So maybe, maybe that's it. Um, but yeah, he gets welcomed with open arms and Sarek is actually apologetic to him because he witnessed the bullying of Spock. I'm so <laughs> sorry he had to watch my kid be such a pussy. <laughs> yeah. That is what he's like. He's like, I'm so sorry. Bring shame on the family. <laughs> Like, yeah, it just, I was like, what is going on? But then again, you know, this is kind of pure Sarek, isn't it? Like, yeah, that's that's his character. No, it was good to hear Mark Leonard, I think, if nothing else. Yeah, it returns. Yeah. So again, I mean, 
Cody must be fucking fuming at this point. <laughs> like now they've brought back an old guest voice, which they did a couple of times. Sarek returned, and they also brought back um, Mud, Harry Mud. Uh, at one point and brought back the guy who played him in the uh, original <laughs> series so they did bring back a few characters um, for, and I think the guy the triple trader guy oh right yeah, yeah I they, think they bring him back in um, in that episode uh, so they do bring back a couple of voices but yeah then you'd expect Spock's mum to be more understanding but she does pretty much the same thing uh, it turns around, it's just like, oh yeah, my son, so fat. Well, he, he canonically kind of is, really, because this whole paradox means that Spock never really passed that test without help from himself. He would have been yes. dead, so he's no true Vulcan. I think it's so. Spock's walkabout. Yeah. I yeah. Kind of, I mean, Nicholas Rogue should have guest directed this episode. <laughs> um, great film if you haven't seen it. Yeah, yes. Walkabout's amazing. I absolutely love that movie. Um, it is superior to this episode of the animated <laughs> series. But if you like Trials in the Desert for young people, this is the one for you. <laughs> yes. I do love Spock's giant pet, though. I, Tonya. <laughs> He's great. Um, and, I, of course, this creates uh, what's become a very famous gift now of the bit where the pet goes after him. It's like a giant... It looks like Sabretooth kind of tiger bear, doesn't it? Like, uh, he's going after him, he tells him to go back, and he's doing this really weird movement. Like, yeah. <laughs> he looks like he's shagging a rock. <laughs> um, like, that's been turned into, like, a gif. <laughs> where, like, he's doing that, it cuts to Spock's, like, a ghast face. What was <laughs> <laughs> Basically, he's wanking off in front of him. So funny. Reactions uh, uh, to the bear, Elliot. Is this what you're expecting from the show? Because <laughs> they didn't explain the bear before. So it's like the way they introduced the bear is boy Spock is sad about being slightly emotional, and then he hugs the bear that's just in the house. <laughs> and they don't explain shit. that it's a pet until later on. I'm like, what's a fucking bear? It what? could have been just a bloke. Like, you know, just as a species, he's probably like... I'm just yeah, that could just be like an alien an alien man. Yeah. That we don't know. Did you expect Sarah to burst in and be like, my God, a wild animal in the house! Get it out! Well, this is the issue. This, this is an issue I've actually got. Because I don't understand Vulcan no-emotion stuff. Mm, it doesn't right. make sense. Because they do have emotions, you can see it. Because Sarah is disappointed, and that's an emotion. <laughs> yeah. The pet bear, so Achaya, is used to be Sarah's. And you wouldn't have a pet if you didn't have an emotion, because there's no logical reason to have a pet. Right? Perhaps he puts the pet to work out in the field. <laughs> <laughs> but that, but that bear, that bear's not working. That bear's like a dumb bear. It's like, <laughs> like a lame bear. Stop a Viking bear. Uh, it just doesn't it, he say at one point like you're too old and fat. Go home. You're not coming with me. It's like the yeah. Shame. And then the bear looks all sad. And he's like, well, how does the bear know emotion? It doesn't <laughs> work. It's <laughs> fucking bear. Uh, yeah. The bear, the bear was my emotional contact point with this, with this show. <laughs> yeah, um, Legends, like saves the day. Because uh, yeah, I mean, and again, this is a thing of bringing using the animation because obviously uh, Spock gets attacked by oh, what, what the hell is it? The thing is sort of something alien tiger thing. Something that definitely has Godzilla's roar. Yeah, so he gets attacked <laughs> by that, and then the the bear comes. Uh, a a salot, they're called, aren't they? comes and saves him and there's a big fight between them and again it's a case of like oh these are big alien creatures like they would have it would have been hard for them to do this in the series they would have got a real bear 
and kind of painted it a bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, you know, I know what you mean about the whole Vulcan emotion thing. I do think it is a little bit uh, odd, but I think Spock explains it in this because he, he has that big speech where he says Vulcans don't actually lack emotions, but they're controlled about it. So it's basically saying we repress our emotions. <laughs> Boil it down. And that's, and that's a great. And that's what you should all do, kids. Um, because this is an episode essentially about euthanasia, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Which actually <laughs> got them in trouble. NBC expressed concern over the depiction of euthanasia in this episode. All and the kids out there putting their bears down. Yeah, and Gene Roddenberry fought to keep it in. But it's also, is, is it euthanasia if it's a family pet? Because that's just like such an accepted thing. It's not like taking a granddad to Switzerland. <laughs> well, but it's too with it's teaching it's teaching kids about it, isn't it? Because basically, they have the option to either put him down. Or to actually keep him going, um, but at the pet's expense. Mm. But it's in, oh, Spock as a kid will be like, yay, got my pet. But the pet <laughs> itself will be suffering. But Spock isn't really given that much of a choice because it's a pretty clear cut decision. They go, we can either like put him out of his misery now, or we can carry on living in immense pain. But they do put that decision to him, That's and true, he yeah. makes the decision, goes, it's just case whether they would go, we don't know if Spock, as a kid, turned around and went, no, keep him going. I love my pet. I want him. I don't care if he's in pain every single day. That's exactly what I want. They wouldn't go, oh, like, we were expecting you to make the right choice, so we'll, we will now take the choice out of your hands. Um, but, you know, I think it's meant to be, yeah, it's meant to be teaching kids a little bit about death, isn't it? And kind of, you know, that separation of having a responsibility for a pet yeah. as a loved one, which I think is quite valuable. These are the two moments that I found, you know, close to profound in this episode with you know the lessons about grief coming from Spock where he says something like a death is only sad if the life is wasted and then he's chatting with his dad at the end I can't remember what it's about but uh, his dad says oh that won't mean much and Spock's like it might to some yeah, exactly like, that and I think yeah. this is the thing which I find really interesting about this episode is that that is demonstrating what Paul just kind of brought up which to some people kind of, you know, pets, uh, I think, mean more than others. Some people, like, kind of see pets as kind of, like, a reasonably functional thing, whereas some people are, like, more valuing of animals and animal life and kind of, like, it, and that relationship with a pet. So he's making that exact point of going, like, hey, like, you know, some people, this might actually mean something here. And, I, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think it's... Profound. And Spock getting to see all this again and chat to his dad. It's like the endgame thing of, you know, chatting to your dad and that. And it's like, yeah, he's getting to give lessons to his dad, which he'll get. And it's kind of that circular nature of, like, where's all this coming from? It's mm. quite quite cool. Yeah, yeah I think those are the best bits of the episode. Just that yeah. yeah. Yeah, the last minute. And, you know, there's also, like, a, it's actually quite a lot because also he teaches the death pitch to, like, Spock so he can get oh, to yeah. the <laughs> yeah. ah, that's, that's great. A, that's a good little tag. Mm. Yeah, yes, when he does this, I'm off to teach <laughs> the fucking bullies about this net finch. Yeah, that's really, really good. I was only disappointed we didn't get to see it. Like, I wanted it to cut to kind of kid Spock, I'd taken down all the bullies, and actually, like, no, you've gone too far. You've gone them. <laughs> Spock becomes a psychopath. Um. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so, final thoughts about this episode? Uh, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get what it's doing. It's doing kind of a classic sci-fi thing. You have to go back and save yourself. The classic thing would usually be you don't know it's 
them until the end. You're not meant to know it's Spock. You save Spock. You know, you just make got things to swim in a hood yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So then to, to subvert that and go like, no, no, this is straight up just what it is now. No twist. Uh, not even the bad guy we put in there. <laughs> he's not a he's not a twist either. Um, so I like that. I did like the message about having to kill the bear, and I think that was like a cool thing about making Spock think logically instead of emotionally. Even though he's kind of the more emotional mm-hmm. choice actually, because he wants to save the bears. Happiness. So it didn't really work. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think it was a fun 20 minutes that shouldn't have been a second episode because it was daunting and alienating for me at least. Because the Time Vortex stuff with the Guardian, I didn't know if that had already been in the show. Yeah, I. And it was like I a very complicated yeah. thing that I didn't really explain. I was like, what's yeah. this voice? What's going on? It's yeah. an extremely convenient uh, you know, idea to sort of start off with, wasn't it? Yeah. No, don't close the door. So yeah, they're my final thoughts. <laughs> Yeah, uh, 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 Paul. Um, yeah, no, much the same, really. I think it's uh, yeah, it's got some good good things. In it. it would have been a benefit from being a full episode, I think, on the actual show. Some of those things that we've pointed out, they were just done differently. You know, like they, they actually had a villain. And why that is actually happening, that would have been good. Yeah, I think for a truncate, like you know, we we've been talking about it as if it is a part two or been crunched down from something. And I think yeah, we all agree that a fuller version where it delves into a proper bad guy and more. Given more time for stuff, it would have been stronger. But I think in terms of a truncated 20-minute cartoon uh, of this calibre, it does it has some interesting ideas and it saves it at the end from some actually earned kind of pathos um, and at least an attempt to end on an emotional note, whereas a lot of these, it feels like they end on some kind of joke or they just end. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I, I do think this is the best episode of the animated series. I've actually seen a lot of it now. I mean, there's only 22 episodes of the animated series. I've seen, like, 12 of them. So I've seen, like, over half of the animated series. And I think this one achieves a level of emotion and maturity um, not present elsewhere in the animated series um, and actually deals with some quite adult themes. I think it's the episode that most genuinely feels like it could be a missing piece of the original series. Like, in terms of, oh, this should have been, like, season four, episode one, but with, you know, a full kind of, like, script, perhaps with a extra bit at the start. Um, and, yeah, I do genuinely like it. I, I think the animated series obviously has obvious production flaws, um, and I think that the stories often feel truncated. Uh, but I think out of all the episodes, this is the one I'd most like to have seen as an actual proper episode. The next episode, uh, now, both these last two episodes were picked by me, because as I say, like, I've seen the most of the animated series, um, actually went and watched quite, just because I think they do have a nostalgia for them. And I think they kind of go down easy in terms of they're so short compared to the rest of Star Trek. <laughs> all other Star Treks are, like, at least, like, 42 minutes, kind of thing, if not more. Um, so these ones are just easy to kind of, like, pick up and do sometimes. Yeah, I've, I've, I've almost fallen asleep in some of these episodes. Yeah. Even the 20. <laughs> they feel... Yeah. yeah, they may be 20, but they feel, like, 60. And... Yeah, so, so it's particularly this, this one. Like, there were certain bits where I was, like, starting to nod off. Perhaps, perhaps the... Uh, <laughs> Perhaps it was the um, you know, the signal was getting to me. Well, yeah, <laughs> this is the the Lorelei signal, Lorelei, the Lorelei signal, um, season one, episode four, written by Margaret Arman, who wrote three episodes of original series, including mm. the Gangsters of Trixgillian, which is quite a famous episode with the Gladiators. Patch it crazy one, yeah, like, yeah, you've seen that obviously, yes, Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, also wrote the Cloud Miners, um, which looks like it's got another interesting uh, costume in it, which we often come across as a repeated, yeah, yeah, yeah. repeated theme with the women of Star Trek original series. It was a highlight of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, Margaret would have nothing to do with that in the uh, script. Uh, directed by our good friend Hal Scotland. <laughs> um, and have you got a plot description, Matthew? Yeah, so this one, Uhura... Uh, Nurse Chapel and the Enterprise women must take charge of the ship from incapacitated, pathetic male senior officers and rescue Kirk and his landing party held on an alien world run over by the ladies. The women? Yeah, Torians. Yes. Um, yeah, who look like Wonder Women, don't they? Like, yeah, well, they're obviously meant to be like sirens, aren't they? Essentially, kind of, uh, kind of with their song. That's kind of like the signal, the siren yeah. song, isn't it? And so um, they get like people. The men get visions on the bridge as because they, they, they play this over the speakers, and that's the worst thing they should do because they start like hallucinating and then they're going close to it. But you see, like Spock, see like this. Vulcan love drums. <laughs> That's the most romantic horny you can get listening to some drums. I know. It's just something like the Black Narcissus about that bit. But uh, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, uh, he goes... Scott, he just oh, stops singing the whole way through. Like, was it, there was like oh a, a protracted singing Oh, that's section. like a two-minute song. Of the ship just going across screen. That it's like was hilarious. This was just... That was the most batshit crazy thing I've seen of this whole show, which is 45 seconds of the ship going from left to right. Somebody going... Well, it doesn't even sound like Scotty, but drunkenly singing. Yeah. I was like, this is crazy. Like, how did they get away with saying this is a finished piece of work? <laughs> <laughs> they sold this to a network. What do they think? <laughs> so, Elliot, first thoughts on this one? Uh, well, I like that it's... I, I, I think this, the thing that surprised me the most is the siren song Lorelei, like, trope is something that comes up a lot in shows and stuff. Yeah. Shows, right? It just surprised me that this, this this has not happened already on the original series. This is an idea. No. The idea that, that all the men are tricked into going somewhere and it's like the siren song or anything. It's not come up already. Is there anything? I mean, there's episodes where men get sort of entranced by yeah. women, aren't it's, there? Like yeah, in the original series. Occasions, but not in this format. This like, is more, yeah, with, the with, very specific siren song. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That, that surprised me that that hasn't already been done up to this point. Mm. Um, I think the pacing in this episode is insane. And I think that's why <laughs> this one feels so long. It's because every time you think it's about to end, there's like a new threat. And it's like, oh, it's never, yeah. never had to drown in rain now. Like, <laughs> you wiggle the thing, it's like, it's three minutes it's like left, a And then there's like two more dangers <laughs> after that. And it just kind of keeps going. Uh, very weird. And it's one of those ones as well. It's like, I don't think a lot of, a lot of stuff happened in it. But I also don't know... Th- loads of stuff might have happened off screen. And I think what I mean is, were they... Were they banging the women? Because it's like the women entrance them there, and then you don't know what happened, and then it cuts back and Kirk's in a really like luxurious bed. Yeah, and, <laughs> and they're all old men now. Well, they've been drained, Elliot. But yeah, like <laughs> women's life force. Like okay, in BDSM circles we call it milking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it does feel like kind of old-fashioned, nerdy, wishful film, and it's just like, you know, women just sucking us men dry. Am I right, fellas? I think that's what what it's meant to be, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Roddenberry's got previous and subsequent on this card, because, you know, he has this thing about, like, women being in power, like, it's kind of, it's almost his, I don't know, fear or fetish, it's a bit of both, I think, because, you know, his his aborted pilot for Genesis 2, it takes place on a planet with women, you know, the dominant force, and men are kept in line by this, like, serving up this gruel that's laced with, like, you know, 
uh, stuff that makes their muscle mass not go as much. They're all weak and kind of pushovers. Uh, you know, so something happened to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, women in power is a horrific force, isn't it? That's, <laughs> that's what the point I mentioned earlier about Uhura being shifty now is like, I think it's her just saying, I'm going to take command. And then, oh, and you then thought she was working with then. the sirens? No, it's not even, it's more just like... I'm going to instantly fly this ship into the sun. It's more just like, yeah, hey, you should take command. There's no one else there. Yeah. <laughs> but they treated it as like, she's going to get battered for this. She's going to get really told off. Uh, and it was just absolutely fine. She was being the hero. But they made out like it was terrible. It should go against the rules like that. It's like, everyone's dying. These shifty like, eyes have a lot fine. to answer for. It's the shifty eyes. It's entirely the shifty eyes. Look, this is the episode for me that feels the most inspired by what's going on in cinema at the time. You know, you've got like Foxy Brown and like, she yeah. goes full Pam Greer in this. Like, combined with that like, you know, sort of score that feels like it should be in Sharp. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's like, you know, they, they beam down and, they, and basically she just gets the phaser and blasts everybody. They shoot loads of bars and stuff as always. Yeah, like, tell me the truth. <laughs> well, no, but she doesn't tell the truth. She shoots everybody who actually has a story to tell. Like, they, they yeah. go, right, now let's search around this room for clues rather than keep one alive. <laughs> well, like a lot of anime series episodes, we go straight in with this, don't we? It's like, immediately, we're seconds in, the, the signal's coming over, the men are getting taken over straight away. Um, we get like showing the patriarchy of the ship with at one point a her as child going, Hey guys, there's something weird going on and like Kurt just goes, Opinion no continue the course. And that's what I like about this is Ahura essentially becomes the main character for the episode because she immediately realizes something's going down. She enlists Nurse Chapel um along with her to be like, look the men are out of action. We've got to fucking sort this shit out. And uh, when during the table read for this episode, uh, Michelle Nichols actually said when she read what was happening in this episode, said, "What are you kidding? I actually get to run the Enterprise." Like a real uh, surprise. And that's essentially what happens here. She takes charge and takes over and becomes kind of the central protagonist for most of the episode. And I. Uh, really liked that. Mr. Scott, as senior lieutenant, I'm taking responsibility for the safety of this ship. Very thoughtful of your love. Ship's log, supplemental. Lieutenant Uhura recording. Due to Chief Engineering Officer Scott's euphoric state of mind, I am assuming command of the Enterprise. I accept full responsibility for my action. I think it's a weird one where I think, like you've pointed out, Paul, it's kind of feminist in the sense of having, you know, it's a script written by a woman, Ahura and the uh, other woman in the ship kind of take over and become the main characters for the episode while the men are kind of, you know, out of action. But at the same time, the entire central sirens plot is slightly, is, you know, not really a weird forward thinking. Yeah, I feel that this is the Tarantino one he'll adapt. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So this will be his exploitation film that he wants to make what so is much. The, um, what's the, what's the with Furman's like, aborted pilot called? Where they, they, Fox, 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 Fox Force 5. Yeah, that's what I thought they were, these girls were when they beat down. Fox Force 5. Yeah, and I do, I do like that. I really think Michelle Nichols grabs this with both hands I think like you say she goes like full pound greer like her vocal performance in this I feel totally in turkeys yeah has more energy to it <laughs> than a lot of the performances in the animated series so yeah no, I, I like all those elements um, and it's funny seeing like Kirk and Spock and like McCoy all old as fuck well, and they're getting battered by 
Like I can, thrown across the room on some cushion. Obstructed. Kind of <laughs> I can I can really you know um, sympathise with this you know with the plan and sets you to have something so beautiful kind of like sap you know your living energy as it grows. <laughs> and just you know this is like very similar to raising a young infant where, you know, <laughs> at the expense of my youthful good looks. This young man's getting very bigger, 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 bigger. So yeah, very very at home to me. Take this the one. headband off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, although I did think it was odd. That in this episode where essentially the women are saving the day, it's Spock who essentially offers the final solution to the problem. Mm. Like, you know, when he's in the hospital bed, he turns around. Can't and quite let her have all the Yeah, time. he basically tells them what to do. It's him who works it out and goes like, oh, right, yeah, this is what you need to do. But then she goes and actually does it and gets the job done so compromise but, but yeah but yeah. like you say is that thing is like oh couldn't she just work it out herself and you know while you're completely incapacitated but it's like can't quite can't think that the, the women maybe that they can do the job but they don't have the logical thinking <laughs> process to uh well, you get the sense when they all beam down that that's probably every female character on the Enterprise. <laughs> it's like a team of six. It's like, that's probably all yeah, at this them. point, right? Yeah, yeah. Just all the, they quickly get all the year to stop making tea <laughs> and uh, <laughs> start doing some action. Um, but yeah, like, I, I thought this was an interesting episode to talk about because of that element. Um, essentially, it's, it's something I would have loved to have seen happen in the actual series. Yeah, it's notable because of that, and it just feels like this should there should have been something more like this in the original run. Mm. I think, yeah, yeah. and I remember reading about like the just the amateur as a whole. It did sort of point this as kind of like a um, you know a lookout for episode because of her as like more prominent role. When in the show, she was so sort of cast aside so often. It just feels like she hadn't really got a, a storyline of her own, really. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've talked about whenever we've covered the original series, which we all like a lot. Um, one of the negatives we've always talked about really is the treatment of women in the show. Oh, it extended to almost outside everybody outside the top three. Cast. Yes, yeah, 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 barely as a look at and your horror stuff as a lot, really. Exactly. So I think this is just a nice thing to see, especially with Nurse Chapel as well. Like, I mean, yeah, she gets like fuck all to do in the original series mm. like, at all. Um, so it's nice to see that all all come around. It says here with some trivia that uh, yeah, Doohan also voiced <laughs> Lieutenant Carver. And, uh, yeah, he sings part of an old Scottish folk song, uh, it says here, in a segment that lasts over half a minute, which sounds like a slam the way it's, like, <laughs> written down here. Yeah. And uh, with Uhura taking control, this is one of three times a woman commands the Enterprise, the other two being in the cage by number one, and by Dr. Janice Lester in Turnabout Intruder, which I guess is another... Oh, they mean in the original well, series runs. I think that's the yeah. one where she takes over the body of Kirk. Kirk so it's oh. still Kirk's body. Oh, yeah. Go on. <laughs> uh, it says uh, the episode was rated the 91st best episode of all Star Trek. And one of top 25 episodes from a grouping of original series and animated series together. Um, what? So, yeah. But I thought I thought the uh, the setting was very nicely designed. In t talking about you know the way the animated series opens up with certain visual uh, uh, ideals, um, so really good to get that in. And what didn't you? Know, it's not much you need... fucking law lay signal going. <laughs> not much you need to actually animate when it comes to just setting. So I thought you know this is a really grand set. And the plot again, we talk about Red Dwarf a lot. It feels quite Red Dwarfy. I can picture someone like Rimmer being lured down. Well, they did quite like in, in Well, they did. Well, yeah, and. Hollyship as well, he gets seduced. Yeah, but I mean, I, I would point more to the episode actually called Cyrus. Yes. 
<laughs> but is that a woman? I can't remember. Well, no, they're aliens, but they yeah, take yeah. they take on the form of women okay. to uh, to tempt them. Yeah, uh, the form of Samantha Robson from the Bill, <laughs> uh, Simon Cowell's biggest crush on TV. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, but yeah, no, again, yeah, it's very. Um, it's got a dwarfy. Um, but I think it's as Elliot says, this is a kind of plot device that's used in a lot of sci-fi, isn't mm. it? Uh, Sirens. Um, final thoughts, Elliot. Uh, yeah, I did like the way they kind of did the usual siren story. I, I actually do admire how. It turns out the sirens are they given a what they're called? Turians. Turians. The Turians are sad about having to do this. They don't want to do it. Yes. There's that moment when a single tear falls down one of their <laughs> motionless face. Yeah. Um, and it turns out that they're only doing this because they can't leave the planet. It turns out the planet is cursed to yeah. only affect men or whatever. Yeah, they're not demonized, and they work it all out in the end. Yeah, so essentially, it's kind of like a nice a flaw that they actually mm. they're just a bit misaligned. Uh, so that's interesting. Um, I thought Lieutenant Carver was the best character. Uh, he was like just a red. Is, is he in it otherwise? Like just like a red shirt guy. No, just red shirt. Yeah, because there's a, there's a moment where the three, so it's like Spock, Kirk, and McCoy, McCoy go in with Lieutenant Carver to meet the sirens for the first time, and then the main one goes like Mr. Spock, <laughs> Captain Kirk, uh, Doctor McCoy, and then. She just doesn't acknowledge <laughs> Carver at all because she knows he's not a main character. It's like four people entered that room and you just acknowledge three of them. Uh, and it's very strange. But yeah, the whole thing is pretty odd. There's a point where the women are balancing crystals for fun. It's like juggling, but it's not juggling. They were just holding massive crystals in less interesting than juggling. For entertainment. And then one threw a smaller one at Spock and everyone fainted. And it was just a really weird moment. I was like... <laughs> It's like, I haven't taken drugs before, but I feel like this is what it is. It's just uh, watching this and being so confused by it. Uh, but no, fun. Again, pacing is insane. Because <laughs> they go down to get saved, and then almost the men almost drown, and then they can't turn them back into their own selves again. It's like, just, all right, wrap it up. Like, yeah, everybody's fine, just get on with it. And it's funny, like, every episode so far, Liam, you've said, like, you know, we get straight into it, straight into the plot, but then you can't do, get out of it. But then you can't get out of it. And you do just have singing for half a minute, so... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I suppose it's a weird one, isn't it? A lot of them seem to go, oh, shit, we better get straight into this plot, because, you know, the kids, they won't yeah. be able to handle waiting for the plot to kick in. But then once it does kick Now that in, we're here, intermission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to do a convoluted explanation of how to get out of everything. And you go, no, they didn't really plan them, did it? Um, and final point is I liked how the planet that they went to is the same planet from the first episode that we've watched. <laughs> 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 they, go, they float over that one red planet that there is. So it's reused uh, backgrounds again. Um, yeah. Have you noticed by this point, Elliot, the, uh, some of the repeated shots that you get? There's always Spock looking into his thing and turning and talking. Yeah, in, terms of any, yeah. in terms of any kind of bridge conversations, it's just like, you may as well not watch the screen at that yeah. point. <laughs> well, actually, funny, this episode opens with a big tracking shot behind all the characters, which I didn't recognise as having seen in other episodes, which I felt was really weird, because usually... Whenever one of the reasons, overhead shot, yeah, it? one of the reasons I really like yesteryear is it's pretty much all off the ship, um, so it's all new environments and stuff. Whereas a lot of the anime series episodes, about half of them on the ship 
bridge. And yeah, there's like you said, there's always that really weird overhead shot where they all seem to be leaning the wrong direction. <laughs> and stuff. Whereas this was like, oh, that's some weird kind of one I haven't seen that they must have just gone, oh, that didn't work. Just use the overhead shot again. Um, yeah, like I say, I already said my reasons for picking this and kind of like I stand by them. I think, you know, obviously it's not perfect, um, but I think that there's a lot of interesting stuff in there, which I wish had been addressed in the original series. And, you know, I think it's valuable for that. There we go. Great. And on to the third and final episode, say, <laughs> The Time Trap. Uh, this is season one, episode 12, written by Joyce Perry. Uh, this is the only episode of Star Trek she wrote. She was an actress and writer. She did write on lots of other TV series as well. Um, but this is the only episode of Trek that she did. And uh, yeah, this one uh, sees kind of the Enterprise and a Klingon ship uh, end up in a sort of space junkyard it's almost. like a space Bermuda Triangle. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah where lots of other ships are trapped. And then, obviously, they have to try and get out. Of yeah, them. and they find out that the, the descendants of the crews of all these various ships. Oh no, they are the real people. Oh, are they? yeah, because remember yes. they said that time slowed down in there, so they thought that you know, oh, obviously, yeah. people would be alive on there, but be like their kids and kids, kids. My memory and this plot summary. Yeah. Me. Um, oh, what is that? What is this in the pot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. No, they they say, oh yeah, we well, uh, all survived hundred years. It is in so. quote marks. So I think it's what Kirk thinks when he gets. Yeah, it is. Oh, oh, yeah. Right. But yeah, they right. they've uh, all the various ships that have been missing for like centuries uh, formed a council, and yeah, and it becomes uh, the the Enterprise and the Klingons kind of having to team up to escape. Yeah, exactly that. Um, Elliot, first thoughts. Uh, this is the one I like the most. Hey. I think it's the one with the most interesting idea behind it. There's like a pocket universe that there's people who can't escape from and they've just built their own utopia. Mm. It's like all these different races living together. It's very nice. <laughs> um, the, the thing, it wraps up badly again. We're going to go over that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I thought that was the most interesting, more philosophical question is just to ask and say, well, if they're living fine without escaping this universe then leave them be let them do it and then it made but it made the threat silly and a bit like oh well it's kind of no big deal and is it you can just leave oh also you can just leave the if threat you want. is we will basically zap you so you spend a hundred years like without your ship is it what was what was the punishment it was if you if you fight we will it's freezing you yeah it's hundred years, years. Then they also say a hundred years passes in a minute here. So, no, no, so, so it's just a slap on the wrist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh well, no, isn't it? Isn't it the reverse that time moves slower? But hence them being able. Oh no! How's it? Then How's time year, work? Because then a hundred year punishment would be like a thousand years. So uh, okay, so that's right. So basically, yeah, so they would be. You know, you're not be going anywhere for a thousand years rather than a hundred, I suppose. Yeah. Also, you'd be going past the point your dolphin crystals have deteriorated to the point you can't get out anyway. So that's yeah. the key. Thing, so then they'll it? be stuck there forever. Yeah. Right. You have to stay in the hotel till past checkout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you live it. You live here now. The main reason I picked this episode was again, it's another one that demonstrates um, the joys of animation, uh, in the sense of the Alien Council. When you've got tons of different aliens there, I mean, we're told there's 123 different races. Now, obviously, we don't see 123, but we do see a lot. There's Andorians, Tellarites, Vulcans, um, Orions. There's a Gorn yeah, there. Yeah, I like the Gorn. Um, and this is a thing. The closest we got really was Journey to Babel in the original series with lots of different alien races. But that, 
it was nothing compared to kind of what's demonstrated here. And like you said, great, the Gorn looks Ooh. awesome. And there are some plant creatures from the Infinite Vulcan, which is the other episode I watched. Yeah, there so. you go. There's loads of past kind of aliens there. And it's just a really cool visual. And I was like, it's something that would have been hard to achieve in the original series on the budget to have that many yeah, yeah. in one episode and stuff like that. And it just looks cool. I like it. Kind of as a counter to that, which is more common on just the animation again in general. But I noticed in this show and in this episode specifically, there are a lot of instances that the show does where they just don't bother animating a moment. So it kind of almost cuts to black and comes back. So it's almost like, I think it's after like the ad break. Sometimes it'll come back to a character and someone just saying like, did you see that? And then someone explaining exactly what they just seen, and just for the end, it's like, oh, we ain't going to show you that. But it's like, did you see that? Ba 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 happen. It's like, oh yes, right, continue. Yeah. <laughs> They're sort of using the commercial breaks there. Of yeah, just like, like you don't need to see this. But again, maybe that comes from the truncated nature of maybe some of the plots and stuff, and it says, oh, we could have had an entire yeah, scene. Could, uh, but kind of on that point, it gave me the funniest, the biggest laugh. Of the episode for me was when. Kirk and a few other people are watching. I think this is a moment where it comes back after an ad break. <laughs> and he's watching the end of like an exotic dance by a green skinned woman. <laughs> oh, that, and she yeah. moves for precisely like three frames and he just goes, beautifully done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I, but I like. He's familiar with the dance, the Brian Snow girl. Just putting one arm in the air. Yeah. Done. Yeah. But I like she says, oh, um, he, he actually turns around to her and says, oh, I've seen the dance of Ryan many times, doesn't he? It just, it, I like that they refer to Carl Kirk's love of green women, guys. <laughs> oh, I bet you have, Kirk. I you bet you have. Is that a thing? He loves green women? Yeah. Because she is wearing nothing. <laughs> they do actually have it in... Um, there's uh, green women in the original series, but they do actually have it in the first J.J. Trek. Um, where there's a scene where he gets caught in bed with a green woman by a hurrah. So it's that. like a known thing. Uh, yeah, this is, this is a weird fetish that yeah. uh, Kirk has. But yeah, there was a bit of racist like uh, deleted scene as well from Star Trek 09 later on where he bumps into her in the corridor and starts talking to her but she accepts, and then halfway through he says, you're not her, are you? Yes, definitely. Wouldn't have aged well. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think this is an interesting episode because the Klingons and the humans having to work together, uh, to get out. I think that's a really cool idea of having, um, I them come together in that way. I loved world. Spock. It really did make sense at the time. It's the first time that the Animax series actually held a reveal back yeah. for you. Mm. And the fact that, like, why, like, uh, Spock would be like so handsy with all the Klingons, just like, you know, giving them back rubs and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's because he's just basically reading their minds a little bit. Like, you know, he's doing a proper Deanna Troy on them and finding mm. out whether they've got a sort of ulterior motive. Um, I, I thought it was really much like, why is Spock acting like so weird? What's, what's There's he... that point he's draped over two of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, guys. Yeah, he's been. I, I thought Spock being chummy with the Klingons is really funny. And it looks. There are certain moments in Star Trek the Animated Series where, because of the animation, it looks particularly funny as well. Like, it's just <laughs> like. It's just um, him being joked over the clues looks amusing, kind of like, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, yeah I, I really like it. Um, in Star Trek Five, you reference it a second time. <laughs> yes. The bit where Kirk tries to hug Spock at the end of that, and he says, not in front of the Klingons. Yeah, no, I, I thought of Star Trek Five in this bit because it felt like a sort of almost weird meta reference back to this, going yeah. like, yeah, and, uh, and yeah. you know, there, isn't it like um, the Klingon uh, woman on the, sh on the that basically McCoy wants to have a dance with? Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and it's like, you know, that would be, in the, if it was in canon, it should have been like Chekhov and Sulu, who have the hots for the 
the Klingon woman in that movie, you know, just like, <laughs> such wonderful thighs. Like, <laughs> or something he says. Do you remember that bit? I don't remember that bit at no, all. At the end with the reception, and uh, after they've, you know, met God, and he's not God, and they kind of go to, they, they have a drink reception on the Enterprise, and like she walks in with like, you know, this like real big corset on, and, uh, you know, and they're just walking behind us. So, you know, basically, you've got like, Walter Koenig and um, George Decay just eyeing up, looking at her ass, going, Wow, wonderful fire. And that Klingon ass. Which doesn't like age well, particularly with George. George's <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, well, I say it's only in the Kelvin verse that he is uh, gay, of course, like the character. I know, but. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, maybe like... it just doesn't age well full stop yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man um, yeah so no I think it's an interesting episode for that of them having to work together of the Klingons obviously betraying them I mean I, I kind of think it's almost a shame that the Klingons do try and betray them because number one it doesn't really get followed up on particularly mm. well but also it would have surely been more interesting to have even the Klingons kind of be redeemed slightly mm. by kind of having to all work together. It doesn't really make sense. They still fall back on their old ways. Yeah. But at, least it's a, at least it's a sense of a threat and it's quite it reminded me of speed because don't they say there's a bomb on your ship which explodes when you hit warp 8 and it's like okay which is interesting because the warp enterprise geek alert can only go to warp 7 so. <laughs> they fucked it yeah um, so yeah I think that's that's all good it very this episode definitely feels like the end is cut off doesn't it well yeah because uh, yeah. that last line was ridiculous have you got it written down anywhere oh yeah well, like, the last line that Kirk says it's like that's that's not what matters that is. And he looks out the window, it's just like space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nothing yeah, yeah. there. Well, <laughs> it, yeah, obviously he's meant to mean that we've come, we've got we've got home back to the space. But it, the vast blackness of space back here home in the middle yeah. of looks yeah. similar to the vast blackness of space they were just in. Yeah, that's the, it. They should have made the, uh, the, yeah, where they were in the time trap, that should have looked something different. Like, mm. it's been like some kind of nebula or something. Starfleet Command or something like, that, yeah. like you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's one of those movies where, again, it's the animation kind of letting it down. But I kind of liked it. I, I like, I like, I kind of like the philosophy behind it in terms of, hey, you know what? They try to kill us, but it don't matter. Who cares? Like, let them They've go. They've got an explosive jelly bean on our ship. Um, yes, but we yeah. threw it out the space garbage. Tiny little bomb. Well, it's a weird <laughs> thing, isn't it? They like the Klingons take all the credit for kind of like being able to escape. Or something. That's what they kind of a hurrah's going like. Oh, How sir! Like, yeah. They told the Klingons that they did on the road. Who cares? Yeah, it's like, it's like who gives a shit? Like, uh, yeah. but that's what Kirk meant. He could yeah, have just said yeah, it again. Exactly. Who fucking cares? So Kirk's right. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> he was right in the first episode. Um, so yeah, no, I, I think it's a, I think it's a fun idea. I think it's reasonably well executed. And uh, what? Oh, I think it was my favourite of the three, definitely. I mean, it was also the worst animated of the three, which is the trouble let down. I think it was, there's so much reused garbage. Like, sales. <laughs> it's just like three rooms, wasn't it? And yeah. then the same people having the same conversation. <laughs> it was, it, it, that was what kind of like just threw me off. And I think there was, you know, the Elysian Counts as well, the only women represented on it, but just had the most highest kind of like soporific voices as well, which is like quite annoying. Why can't it be? Yeah. One powerful woman on the. Oh, was like James Dean doing the voices of the women there? So, <laughs> oh, was it? Uh... It wasn't. Really. I mean, I I believe it. 
yeah. Um, oh. yeah. Even the president of the committee is like, welcome to the, <laughs> welcome to our beautiful utopia. Yeah, I thought you right now. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, any final thoughts on this episode? Oh, I've just, as, as I was just finishing off, I was saying like, yeah, it was, I'd say bad animation, but like, for, it was exciting. I think, mean, you know, the, the Klingon battle work that thing, you know, they, you know, the fact that they, um, you know, have, have to rely on each other as well. I thought that was good. The dynamics that you want to, you know, someone's going to come up with the Klingons as well, you know, where they're going to try and betray them, but how it was going to work out wasn't clear. Um, until the explosive jelly bean. Mm. So it's, um, yeah, I thought it was a good episode all right. Yeah, this is it. Like Star Trek's never been short on fun ideas. And when you have such a great core cast of characters, like talking more generally, like the, the amount you can do with it. And it's a shame that this series almost plays like a radio play series. But it's like, that's kind of the opposite of what you want when you have the unlimited expanse of animation. But obviously, production budgets and time cuts that down. So it's a weird mix of like, some of these ideas and stories are great, but seeing it dramatized in such a shoddy fashion drags it down a bit. So I think that's probably why we've talked so much about, oh, if this was an expanded normal episode, it would be more interesting. Um, and yeah, it's very interesting to see kind of how the new animated series that they're working on uh, for two. the new shows, too. Yeah, there's... Lower Decks and a Nickelodeon one, isn't there? Yeah. So I don't know what that second one's about. The Nickelodeon one will presumably be closer to this. In terms of not, you know, not. I'm sure they're not taking their cues from this series. But what yeah. I mean by that is for kids. Yeah. So it's weird because it's like the, the until we get those, there's no real other big counterpart for this series no. other than like the comic books. Because as we said in our comics episode, yeah. the comics have unlimited potential to do whatever they want and tell whatever stories they want, and they go off in some crazy directions as well. But at least there, they can put it all on the page and not have to worry about the the trickiness of animation like that. Mm. I'll trip up. So it feels like they could have gone way more ambitious of the show in generally, but it probably would have been at their detriment if they had tried. So yeah. Well, I think it comes down to clearly, you know, they just didn't put the money into this yeah. that was required. You know, they chose Filmation to make it because they were a cheap production house. And, you know, that demonstrates on the screen. Like when they come to do the new animated shows, there would presumably be far higher budget, one would assume, yeah. um, you know, with the money that's in TV now, especially that kind of, you know, Star Trek is producing at this point. Um, so, you know, it would be very interesting to compare yeah. and contrast. And even if this show had come about in, say, like the mid-80s, in the middle of the, when it was popular again, it could have had a lot more behind it. But coming as, I suppose, when it did, like, early to mid-70s, when it was dead and there was no movies on the horizon and other projects were failing, it's like, if this is all you're getting, I'm not surprised it came out kind of half-baked. Whereas any other time period, it would have looked differently, would have had a different feel. And now, yeah, we are going to see what that what happens when you do it now in a resurgence of popularity on TV because it'll be, yeah, with those two animated shows, it'll be five shows circling production, whether they're in or mm -hmm. coming to. So, yeah, it's a weird time to be TV thriving, movies kind of dead again. It's, uh, anything can happen. Yeah, very true. I look forward to it. I look forward to it. Um, Elliot, any final thoughts about the animated series? I think with the animated series, to go back to what you said, it's like, I think it should. If it was made now, I'd want it to be a. I want it to be a radio play because that is that does have actual limitless opportunities, and you could bring it back as like a big finish kind of thing. The way they brought back, you know, Torch big finish, like yeah. And you literally just take this animation out and have the voices, and because they're all just saying what they're doing anyway. So <laughs> yeah. you might as well close your eyes and watch the show. <laughs> yeah, get it. Uh, 
So I think that would genuinely actually work way better, and you can have the dance sequences that you can't have in the show. Like, <laughs> sudden, you can suddenly make that happen. Yeah. Um, and I think each of them, especially the last one, touch on an important idea or the philosophy that they actually want to discuss in this, but they don't go into it enough for me. This is what you need the extra five or ten minutes for, is just to do yeah. one more little thing. They, if they had a moment where... So the... At the end, they fall out with the Klingons because Bones is trying to dance with one of the Klingon women. <laughs> but if they had a moment earlier where those two are talking because they're working on something together and they actually have a little bit of a bond and then they talk again at the party and someone misinterprets it and then they have a fight, like that kind of thing would work yeah. way better. And you go like, well, show us the Klingons and the people getting on together yeah. well. And maybe at the end they don't try and blow each other up. It's just a nice moment where yeah. they say, you know what? If we see you again, we'll blow you up, but we'll give you a head start. Something like that. I think yeah. it needed to be one of the Klingons in the, you know, actually, yeah, like bonded. They need a Klingon friend. Tip off the yeah. Enterprise via the other people on the council. Yeah. You know, get them a message somehow. Like, you mm. know, that would have been, that would be more effective, you know, yeah. to know that we're not, all the Klingons aren't all bad. Because we come out this way as they yeah. are, like, war to war evil. We had some help. Yeah, that, yeah. that would have been a good way of, yeah, and I think that would have been a more interesting question. It kind of sums up the animated series as a whole. It's always kernels of good ideas, but they're just never in the mm. execution. Mm. It's all just like, it's, it's just like, kids don't need to know anything in detail. We just give them the surface gloss yeah. and, you know, the very barest, you know, broad strokes of, of the plot. And, uh, and it's wrapped up very nicely. They always just yeah. skip to the results of conflicts and things. And it's yeah. like, this doesn't mean anything on its own. Stop trying to make it mean. Because then it's just like, oh, this has happened and now it's over. But yeah, like you say, you have extra padding and extra Failing third actual act development. Every episode, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so I guess they, they dive right in. They waste a lot of time and then they wrap it up. And it's well, like, okay. you got to wonder, like, why, do, why does one foot try to almost nod off watching this? It's because, <laughs> you know, and why would I prefer a longer version of it? It's because, you know, these massive leaps forward drain you so much when you're trying to fill in the blanks. It doesn't make any narrative sense. Mm. You're just like, why? Why is it? What? Filling the, it's filling the blanks exhausting. of what you're seeing physically because of the animation, fair enough. Filling in the blanks because of the storytelling. Yeah. The two together make it. Yeah, yeah. I definitely wouldn't be able to watch it if it, if the advert breaks were still in. If it was in TV yeah. and you had to stop for like four minutes in the middle, they're like, what's going on now? Like, you have to, I have to be watching all of it. Well, they'd come back on and be like, well, what just happened was we didn't see, but... Uh, <laughs> she was dancing. I enjoyed it. <laughs> okay, Kirk. Um, it's the very but, tail end we're seeing, I tell you. Yeah, so I think it's a great idea. Really enjoyed that. I like the council living in Utopia. And mm. that they did just leave them there, even though they all kept saying, you'll never leave you. There's no way of leaving. It's like, oh, they're left. Like, <laughs> easy. It's just their first plan. Awesome. That woman was just like, oh, maybe I should have gone with them, actually. You know, she's just like, <laughs> yeah. she was like, shit, they made it. Yeah. It's like, there's no way of saving them now. That was the last taxi out of the uh, dead zone. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, good. But It's really interesting point um, you raise, and you do as well, Matt, of um, Star Trek radio drama or audio drama. Um, as far as I'm aware, this isn't something that's happened outside of fan kind of like productions, everything like that. And yeah, I would be really interested to see something like that, especially from Big Finish. Um, mm -hmm. Big Finish, for anyone who doesn't know, um, is kind of audio drama, uh, production company, um, that makes pretty amazing, like kind of audio, uh, plays, full cast, um, really high budget for kind of like audio drama. Uh, they sound like incredible. Uh, it does sound like a movie kind of like in your ears, essentially. And, uh, they're very impressed, but they, they became famous for doing Doctor Who, um, stuff. They got the license to Doctor Who, right, um, audio dramas back in the late nineties. 
Uh, but since then, they've picked up lots of other licenses along the way as well, and also done original kind of dramas. But they have actually done some Star Trek ones, but they're just um, they're just readings of some Star Trek novels. Oh, uh, we, we, novel, yeah, right? with some I think with some like sound effect embellishment and stuff like that because that's what they've managed to get the license to do. Not original things. Yeah, it's a reasonably recent development that they've done that. Um, but the fact that they have shows that they potentially. I, I know you know those guys over there well enough to know they will be trying to get license. I know they blatantly love to do some Star Trek audio drama. And I, if CBS granted them license to it, I think it could be something really special because they are very well known. They do amazing fan service with their kind of audio dramas. Mm-hmm. I think it would be a really cool home because obviously in audio drama, um, you know, apart from someone's voice might sound older, but there's stuff you can do that with that. They actually, Tom Baker, who they brought back to do loads of kind of Doctor Who, they have done something with his voice to kind of digitally youngify it slightly. And it does sound amazing. Mm. He does sound, he does sound slightly different, but he does definitely sound younger than he does in real life. Um, when they do the jobs that are meant to be set in that kind of older times, it's very clever. And they could do something really cool with old surviving cast members, I think. So yeah, so big finish. If you're listening, get that license. We'd love to hear it. Yeah, I want to hear it. What old old man Sulu audio play? Yes. <laughs> oh man, be amazing. Give yeah. him a Captain Sulu vineyard. adventures. Yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. The Captain yeah. Sulu adventures, like set during like undiscovered country time. Oh. That'd be phenomenal. Oh, I'm so in. Um, so, the important question here, Elliot, is: Will you be watching more of the animated series? I won't watch more of the animated series. <laughs> But I do genuinely want to get into some kind of Star Trek. I think I think my problem with it anyway is is there's too much of it to go into. Because if I watch something, I watch a lot of TV. Like I watch a lot, a lot of TV. And if I get into something, I completely get into all of it. I try and understand literally all mm. of the world and get into everything. Mm. And there's so much of this now. Like I'm really into MCU stuff. I really love Marvel mm. stuff. But I got into that from the start, so it was very easy to take it all in and yeah, go movie yeah. to movie to movie to TV show and do Agents of Shield and do all that kind of thing. Uh, Agents of Shield, by the way, best um, sci-fi show on TV. Uh, Agents of Shield. Agents of Shield. Right, is so I've good. never watched Agents of Shield. I could talk for three hours. About <laughs> good I mean, please don't. But oh, I, I, I've always, I, I will eventually watch some episodes of it. But I've never heard amazing things apart from right now. It's the first fifteen episodes of you like you watch two, just you watch like two or three of them. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, then, yeah. but then it the kicks in with like when the movies start affecting it, and it's like then it becomes every series is better than the last one. It okay. does everything. It does time travel. It does space. It's got doppelgangers and robots. And shit. It's got a Ghost Rider in it. It's brilliant. Doesn't matter. Anyway, that's really great. Um, so I think there's too much of this now for me to get into it as much as I like to get into things. Right, and, and still watch everything. everything else I want to watch. Mm-hmm. It'll be if I watch this, I watch all of Star Trek all the time and watch every series. But it's like I've got, I've got to watch Jane the Virgin on a Thursday. Like I've got <laughs> loads of stuff I need to get into. Um, so yeah, I want to watch something. I'll get through the Klingon scene and keep watching Discovery. Is it okay to be someone who just watches Discovery? Oh yeah, yeah. Be I think that's probably the one because it's current now. You don't have a massive backlog. It jumps back to stuff anyway, right? It's got... um, Yeah, yeah. 
you've never been one to kind of maybe cherry pick potentially ones that are recommended episodes from well, pre-production. I guess you could do. I guess it could because they're on our yeah. best of list, and I think you know, do the top That's ten. That's kind of what I've been doing. Top ten okay. of each one, and then you kind of got your your litmus test of what of each one of those because there are you know there's a varying quality in yeah. some of the series as well. Mm. Even in Next Gen, which is like heralded, you know, it took two years mm. or three years to find its feet. So you know, you want to kind of go to the the top ones, and they are because they're they're not like um, they're not big arcs really outside one of the shows. They are very episodic. You can just pick one off the shelf and have a sci-fi story for fifty minutes yeah. with that crew, you know. And it, and then they also the character development, like you know, isn't great. Like so, you're not you can actually go in and they're not. They are a bit sci-fi sometimes. I think yeah. they're fine. Mm. You know, you do, you can get what people are about quite easily yeah. without having to kind of feel like I need to watch two seasons just to get why data does it a certain yeah. way. Yeah, so that, yeah. that's super helpful because I was chatting to a friend of the show Daryl from Sun Double Deep the other night, and he was saying like he's someone who just has to. Yeah, he has to do it all. And do it all. Yeah, so yeah. he just he just, just can't. And especially with every Star Trek series where it does sound like the first season's always rough and they find that feet. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um so yeah, like I can't really dive in and do any of these shows properly, um, outside of the original, maybe. Um but like TNG Deep Space Nine Voyager and stuff, I will just be kinda cherry picking and doing what I can. Uh, to find the good ones, but they are shows you can do that for. So yeah, and the thing is, as we go on as well, we kind of you know get more and more deep into it ourselves. Yeah. So thing, I mean, animated series. I, I, like I said, I mean, I've watched over half the <laughs> bloody episodes, so you know, I've I've done my due diligence on it, and I I watch those in a terms of a commitment for this show, essentially, and, and like I say, because I do think that it does have a whiff of nostalgia for me, and I do think they're reasonably easy to kind of just go in terms of just a time commitment rather than kind of you know whether they actually keep up the pace or anything like that uh, to get out of the way. Um, you know, I was like, oh, I've only got 20 minutes. Well, I may as well get one of these just, done. Just pull a Gen Ives trick and watch it on double speed. It, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, now now I've done the ones I have, I can't say I'll probably be going back to do more particularly. If you watch one more than you've watched the majority, and then you have to go down with the ship, you have to do them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so stop I, now. You know, I maybe one day, but maybe when the new animated series come back, just to remind me of like, if I watch the new animated series, I'm like, ah, I'm not too sure about this. Maybe I'll watch an episode of this to remind me like <laughs> how bad be like it could that. have been. <laughs> like, I'd be like, I go, like, uh, go like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, no, the new series is amazing. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, Paul, you go watch any more? You're done, aren't you? Uh, I'm done with this one i think yeah yeah seen seen what i needed to see uh, and, uh but yeah but looking forward so to i it. didn't convince you with these episode picks oh so. no these were the, these were um good choices i think you know there was stuff to talk about them certainly and i think the time trap would have, if i had to pick one i would have gladly picked that one so i'll put my name to that retrospectively <laughs> okay. choice. You're, you're welcome guys <laughs> um, but yeah no it was an interesting sort of sort of sideways move really for us to sort of go into that one but it's not it's not my mission no, 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 no. no. Well, we know what your mission is, and that's coming next with the next generation, I would expect. Uh, Matt, you're done, I'm sure. Yeah, I think so. I mean, <laughs> all I've said, yeah, forget it. It's interesting, with all these being on Netflix, I mean, we've, we've always said it's been a blessing that oh, God, the entirety yeah. of Trek canon so far is on Netflix. Because um, if it was a case of, if I bought like the complete DVD box set for this, I'd be burning it now, so. <laughs> but I don't have to worry about it. I just, like, I just don't have to physically move and pick on Netflix this thing. But it's there if I want it, so. Yeah, like I said, I mean, we, we will no doubt when the new animated series come out, um, 
like we will be covering them on this podcast at some point. And so no doubt the this animated series will get referenced again. But I don't yeah, I don't think we're gonna be any of us going back to it. So I think we're I think we're done. That's kind of that's kind of cool because we're kind of done with one aspect of track now for like good. Yeah, I think Whereas, we've learned all we're gonna learn from it. Yeah. Because we have yeah, seen yeah, yeah. like thirty percent of every episode anyway, so Whereas everything else, like even the movies, even though we've done the movies, we will be going back to some of them later on. And obviously if there's another film that comes out, we'll see that. Whereas this is like a closed book now. So it's kind of interesting to put that one away. Like, uh, feels like, you know, that's I'm the... Setting it to the time trap zone. <laughs> yeah. There's a major achievement for the Spotlight mission. Um, Three years in and we've closed the book on the animated series. Well done, yeah, everyone. I'd love to be covered it. Um, as I said, we will be continuing this series of revisited episodes with The Next Generation. Um, which will be the next one. I'm not exactly sure when that will come out because we're kind of slotting these episodes in as we go. Um, but that's the next one of this we'll be doing. Elliot, where can we find you and your work online? Uh, Sean and Elliot read the Bible podcast. Go for that one. And uh, I've got a little short film on YouTube called The Dates, which people seem to quite like. It's just been to film festivals, which is nice. You were at the BFI last night? I was just at Loco last night at BFI, uh, which is very cool. Did it, did it get a good reception? How did it go down? Yeah, people liked it. Fantastic. Weird. I don't like. So you wrote this? You wrote I wrote it and I'm in it. Um, so that's nifty. Go and, go and look at that. You uh, can find... You, where, where that's on YouTube. YouTube. Uh, and there's a link in my Twitter thing. What's your Twitter handle? Uh, Elliot J. Fallows. Elliot's 1L1T. It's weird. Okay, yeah. Th- this is the whole reason... Why Sean and Elliot read the Bible has been a disaster, yes, because no one's been able to no one can, spell yeah. Google wide, it's terrible, yeah, 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 yeah. It should not work. Uh, but yeah, no, definitely go and check out um, Elliot's podcast. Uh, it's really, really funny take on the uh, Bible. And it, it's interesting as well, because although it is extremely funny, but I do think that kind of Sean's element in there kind of... Uh, stops it from being like a complete and utter fist date then like it seems like there's genuine knowledge of the kind of like text in there from him yeah I'm always the one pulling back to the bible I'll I'll take it astray he'll try and run with it I'll be like no Sean shut up it's the bible time I think I prank him into it well you do a sort of spotlight of the movies on that don't you where you watch a film inspired by the bible yeah 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 and I do a little review of some kind of film based on the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, which Sean hates. He hates having segments and features. <laughs> what, what's been your favourite? Because favorite? he hates anything professional. Or <laughs> yeah. It's a renegade. Yeah. Uh, what's been your favourite film based on the Bible that you watched for the podcast so far? Uh, well, I did watch uh, Prince of Egypt because I just love that film anyway. Oh, okay. It's just a legit great musical. Oh. And it's coming to stage now as well. So I'm gonna... Is it? Yeah. Yes, they're doing a proper... Fucking hell. That'd be great on stage. Ah, I, mean, I mean that is every single film will be made into a western musical at yeah. some point um, okay well that's great yeah thanks so yeah, much for coming much. man thank you for having me enduring the animated series of us <laughs> yeah, some, some people pleasure. get a short straw on these things so it was uh, Todd who had to watch the worst episodes of every series yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and then uh, this so hopefully plain sailing until we I don't know hit Enterprise <laughs> yeah yeah I mean next generation's gonna have some some, some good stuff yeah. I think from all of us look forward to hearing what we pick um, until next time you can find us at Spotlight Pod at Instagram Twitter 
and Facebook. You can send us an email at spotlightpod at gmail.com. Please get in contact. Uh, if any big defenders of the animated series, we'd be interested to hear from you. Um, you know, come tell us why we're wrong uh, about it and kind of like all the benefits there are to the animated series because, you know, I'm sure... Well, we, I know that there are lovers and defenders of this show out there and it's always interesting to kind of like hear a different opinion on that. Um, so, yeah, we, we would like to hear from you. And we promise now we will stop slacking off the animated series until the new animated series <laughs> come out. Uh, so, until next time, that's all from me, Liam. That's all from me, Matt. And uh, from me, Paul. And all from our guest... Elliot, hello, bye. <laughs> dun, 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 d